This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm joined by Trav and I'm Drew. And I'm Trav. This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. As always, we're here to talk about 80s and 90s media. How are you today, Trav? I am doing pretty darn good, Drew. How are you doing? You know, I'm doing okay. Uh, I'm not going to go too much in depth, but I got called an asshole at work today. Say what? Yeah, so, I mean, take that for what you want. You're as far from an asshole as that possible. Thank you for the confidence boost. I needed that because, <laughs> man, that really hit my self-esteem today. Um, I'm not going to go into it too much. I just wish this person would have come and talked to me like a real person. Yeah. Instead of going nuclear on the on the bit immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Just so unfortunate. That's the way it goes. And I have this giant pimple on my face today, which has been ultra frustrating. I am so sick of sunscreen on my face. You can't even understand yeah. <laughs> how sick of sunscreen on my face I am. Uh, but other than that, um, I got my uh, appointment set for my new tattoo. Ooh, hell yeah. So I'm ex- I'm excited for that. It's not until August because he's a pretty busy dude, but I'm excited for it. So Here in town again? Yeah, here in town again. So it's oh. pretty exciting. Um, I that, bought a house. Oh, I was going to bring that up. I wasn't sure if you wanted to talk about it. Uh, that's exciting stuff. Yeah, pretty awesome. I don't have a setup myself, so we're still going to be doing it at your place, but I'm excited. Yeah, that is, that's really cool. I can't wait to see the place, honestly. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, that's super exciting, especially in this uh, political and economic climate to be able to do that, to yeah, be able to buy a house. Sure, like That's sure. an accomplishment that everybody, anybody should be proud of. That is absolutely for sure. Um, well, do you want to just kind of get right into it? I got some uh, best-selling video games for 1994 since Dumb and Dumber sets, uh, takes place. Well, it was, I suppose it takes place in 1994. It was yeah. made in 1994. So. Let's hear um, this is just in the United States, but NBA Jam, that was number one in the United States in 1994. Nice. And it was published by Acclaim Entertainment. Um, Units sold 2.3 million copies of that game. I mean, I had it. I had it. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody had that game. It was, did you have it? You had it for the Super Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Did you ever play it on the Sega? No. Nope. Uh, the Sega version, I don't know, it's because it was the... The difference in the graphics, but I always preferred the way the Sega version looked and stuff. I thought sure. it looked cooler, but I uh, had it for the Super Nintendo. Did you ever play it in the cabinet form? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I thought they had a uh, NBA Jam uh, on fire edition at the ice rink when I was growing up. Oh, so nice. that and uh, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo oh, side by side. Nice. <laughs> 50 cents to play each one of them, and they got many of my quarters at the ice rink waiting to go on the ice. That's Those for sure. The days. You've never played arcade games before since, you know, I mean, if, if you've never gone straight off the ice, straight to an arcade machine, didn't take off your hockey equipment one bit, that's yeah. a very Minnesotan experience, I would say. That was kind of like the old roller dome. You yeah. roll right off, and we had X-Men, the four-player X-Men cabinet game. I can't remember the other one, because I always played X-Men. Yeah, well, that's the only game worth a darn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Number two in the country this uh, 1994 was Donkey Kong Country. I owned it. I owned it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Published by Nintendo, and that had just over 2 million units sold. And then number three, Mortal Kombat 2. Did you own it? I owned it. I was not allowed to own it. Oh. I rented it, but I wasn't allowed to own it for some reason. You can rent it. 
you can't own it though. Okay, <laughs> yeah. whatever. I'll just okay. keep renting it over and over again. Right. And that was 1.9 million units sold. So, I mean, that's a lot of video games it sold. Doesn't just that a, seem like a lot? It like, is. Do games still sell that many copies? I think so. Uh, yeah, I, I would say so. Um, maybe not all games. I mean, you get True. your you get your like mega blockbuster games that sell tens of millions. True. Uh, True. And this is just for the United States too. So the numbers would be even bigger on the worldwide market. Yeah. Um, the number one movie in the box office in 1994 was Lion King. I saw it. I saw it. And that's it. <laughs> that is a piece of my childhood right there because it was from 1994 until probably about 1999. It was like Lion King, Lion King, Lion oh, King, Lion sure. King. Yep. Um, and then Dumb and Dumber came at the 22nd uh, highest grossing film in 1994. That actually blows my mind that it's that low. I was going to say it blows my mind that it's that high. Really? Just because it's a comedy, you know? I, I mean, guess that's true. The, but, uh, I mean, the movie, we'll talk about it a little bit, but the movie has a, a, obtained attained uh, a certain cult status, especially since it's been re- re-released on everything, the unedited editions and all that type that's of stuff. That's true. That makes sense. Um, but still, 22nd out of all the movies that came out in 1994, you know, the market for movies in 94, the theaters were a big deal still. The theaters were... There was no talk about theaters going under in 1994. True, yeah. I guess uh, I just hold it at this pinnacle in my own level of greatness for movies. Rightly so. You should. Should we share some overall impressions? We kind of already have about Dumb and Dumber. Sure, let's do it. Yeah. Um, Dumb and Dumber really sticks out. The like the soundtrack really sticks out to oh me. Oh my gosh, it's, it's so good. The quintessential like 1994 playlist. Yeah. I mean, just a couple of the big ones like New Age Girl. I mean, that one. That one sticks out big time, you know, yep. uh, performed by Dead Eye Dick. I don't, I don't know if they made any other music besides this song because that's <laughs> the only one I've really ever heard. And of course, mm-hmm, by the Crash Test Dummies, that was a like MTV, like on repeat. If you put it on MTV in like 1994, 1995, you were going to see that kid with the bruises all over his body and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, that was just how that went in 1994. Yeah, when I just rewatched this, my buddy's like, Crash Test Dummies? I didn't even remember that song was in here. Right. He's like, it's just a whole bunch of M's for the name of the song. <laughs> like, yep. That's all it is. And then uh, Old Pretty Woman by Roy Orbison. Uh, that song kind of had like a resurgence in the 90s, right? Roy yeah. kind of had like his big thing being with the traveling Wilburys in the 90s and stuff like that. and. Uh, I really like that song and it's used so well in this movie. Obviously it's a direct parody of the movie pretty woman, which we'll talk about later again. But, uh, I really, really, really appreciate the, the soundtrack in this movie. Uh, there's even some other songs that you don't even like hurdy gurdy man by the butthole surfers. Like that, (laughs) that's on the radio at one point in their car. And I'm like, they're playing a, a butthole surfers song. I'm going to keep saying that because the name of a band, they say it on the radio. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then the song they end you with in the credits is always stuck in my head. Shut, shut your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Every time then that's just stuck in my head for the next hour. Yes, know? absolutely. I, I like that we went from back-to-back episodes of just banger soundtracks, though. Yeah, Top, top yeah. Gun right into Dumb and Dumber. Like, yeah. I could have these two soundtracks and be good for the next few years. So. I honestly can't believe that I never bought this CD. Like, I never I owned the soundtrack. I can't believe that I never did. It seems like one of those ones that I would even have gone back and been like, I need to buy this soundtrack. This yeah, soundtrack's seriously. crazy awesome. It's just a, a straight-up slice of the 90s that right. you can just listen to at any point. It's just such a, a piece of its time. I agree. Um, 
I guess uh, before we move on to the next segment, uh, links to all the sources that I used in in the production of this podcast are obviously going to be in the show notes, like always. Um, Why don't we just get on over to that homework review? Dumb and Dumber, obviously, December 16th, 1994, directed by Peter Farrelly, uh, written by Peter Farrelly, Bobby Farrelly, and Bennett Yellen. Why you yelling, Bennett? (laughs) Um. Are you have you ever read or do you remember watching uh Roger Ebert on TV? No, I mean the name obviously sounds familiar. Yeah, he was, I mean he was a big deal movie critic uh, for decades and for, unfortunately died of cancer in the early 2000s, mid 2010s something like that. Um but I've always like really appreciated his reviews like our views on movies really line up. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to uh, read something from his website here. Basically, the review of 1994's uh, Dumb and Dumber. Um, one warning, though, if you do go to his website, it's ad crazy. It's like <laughs> straight out of the 90s itself, like pop-ups and all that type of stuff. It is ad crazy. Um, but uh, he says that this movie is more silly, more silliness from Jim Carrey, who is beginning to grow on him in 1994. Uh, he find it. He finds it strange. His mannerisms, instead of becoming more wearsome uh, from film to film, to film, they grow more endearing. And I totally agree. Like hundred percent. Every time. I mean, we've said it before. It's classic Jim Carrey. Yep. And it's not. It's not dumb. It, no. It's what you want. It's always funny. It's always hilarious. It's classic Jim Carrey. Yeah. Um. Normally, like the repeated gags become tiresome. It's just not the case with Jim. Not uh, at all. Um. You should go read the whole thing because it's it's interesting to hear what like a major movie critic had to say about uh, Dumb and Dumber in 1994. So go check it out. Uh, it's at uh, let's see, I wrote it down. It's probably really easy. Yep, RogerEbert.com. So it's pretty easy to get there. Um, I did also want to talk about a Time Magazine article from uh, 2019. So it was the 25 year anniversary of Dumb and Dumber. Um, and the article is 25 years later, Dumb and Dumber is more than just the gold standard for toilet humor. Uh, this movie was mostly dismissed, even though it holds a cult status now, like we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, the New York Times says that uh, this movie, like their review of this movie, uh, said it was fit for 16-year-old boys or, or younger, right? I mean, it is, it, but also it, older. It, it is. Crazy. That's, well, that's what I said. I said it's true, but it's also for the, the teenager in us all, right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Um, like the article says, this movie is the, the, like the gold standard for toilet humor and it's unapologetic about it. Like it just doesn't care. It's what, it's almost like that's what the Fairley brothers were going for. Yeah. It's almost like that was their intention to make the most ridiculous potty humor movie that you could uh, come up with. Um, the movie is always charming. Harry and Lloyd are always charming. They're always uh, grating. They're always annoying. They're always uh, uh, frustrating to watch on screen, but they're always charming. And I, I like that about these characters that you can still get behind them, even though they're just complete idiots. Yeah, and it's hard 100%. to even be like, how can you even, uh, but it's, <laughs> it's the best part about their personalities. Yeah. Um, and really like the article says, it's the jokes that uh, surprise you that are the best part of the movie. And then mm-hmm. like the little tiny bits that come out like, when they're in the diner and uh, he says, uh, you know, the they got the monkeys. Uh, they were a big influence on the Beatles. Yeah. It's just a throwaway line. and But it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Yeah. And it's never referenced again. Harry doesn't even reply to him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, literally, like for toilet humor, literally 
the scene with Harry at Mary's house. Like, yeah. literally, like, it's toilet humor. Like, literally. I'm going to say it again. <laughs> and the unrated is even more extreme. It's more extreme. We were talking how we haven't probably watched the unrated that many times. So it's still kind of like a little bit of a new movie. Like, you're watching the TV version and then you notice all the differences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The article makes the point that toilet humor basically is like the great equalizer, right? It really right. is. It's something that we have all gone through. Like in Harry's uh, instance, it's something we've all gone through. Um, obviously not to an extreme extent, the extreme extent that Harry does. <laughs> but do you have any life experiences of a similar situation, Trav? Um, I do remember a time being younger when I was having the, I went over to a girl's house and I was getting the (laughs) sounds in my stomach too, but I don't remember it being nearly as crazy as what he has to deal with. And luckily that girl's toilet flushed. So, oh man, that would have been, yeah, that would have been still crazy. Felt embarrassing to go over there and have that, but man. (laughs) <laughs> the scene is just times 10 to anything I ever experienced. How it, about you? It really is times 10. The only thing that I have, have even close to that, um, we were walking the Superior Trail up uh, near Duluth, me and a friend of mine, and halfway through, it must have been like the undercooked camping food that we had in the morning, but man, I was squatting in the woods every <laughs> every 100 yards for like the rest of the day, and that was... Man, that was a bad, bad day hiking on <laughs> <Yeah>. the trail. <laughs> that's the worst that uh, that's the worst that I ever had it, I guess. But uh, and you know, and that in that that we both have similar st- stories that we can relate to Harry with. That's where the mass appeal in this movie comes from, right? Um, even if I mean, even if you don't want to admit it, that's where the mass appeal in this movie comes <laughs> yeah. from. Yeah. Uh, do you think we're ready to hit this movie? kind of scene by scene we're not going to go super close to the i think we're ready we're ready right when this movie opens up the gags are flying immediately like that's a lovely accent you have there yeah and the first (laughs) thing i noticed that i don't know if i noticed as a kid is they show the street sign name and it's hope street oh i don't think i've noticed that or i didn't know the very first thing is they show hope street and then it pans down to lloyd and i mean the whole movie you know he's hoping to make something work it's true right from the beginning some good symbolism shrimp on the bobby (laughs) austria good day mate (laughs) (laughs) which we were talking when we had a chance to watch this together what was the end goal there you know if if it does work and she's somehow interested and hops in then he has to admit He's not trying to get to the hospital, and he's actually, hold on, I'm the driver, actually. I don't know what what was going to happen there, but no, I think no. that's just proving that it was never going to happen. Exactly. One he, in a million. Yeah, 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 one in a million. And then he gets his head stuck in that in that uh, in the window, which is always funny. <laughs> yeah. But soon he's picking up Mary, and uh, uh, he asks, where are you headed? <laughs> she says, Aspen. Mmm, California. Mm, California. <laughs> And that just segues right into that great limo gag where he's talking to Mary and, you know, running red lights, causing massive collisions with gigantic explosions. Yeah, and driving perfectly straight the entire <laughs> way, too. I like that. <laughs> Got to be careful. A lot of bad drivers. Yeah. <laughs> and then he drops her off at the airport and he asks her for a hug and Mary looks beyond puzzled. Beyond Be- yeah. puzzled. This is not normal. <laughs> this is definitely not a normal thing for a chauffeur to do to you. Uh, the great uh, airbag gag. Goodbye, my love. Goodbye, my love. <laughs> and, and I also put with the hug, I put uh, t- 
touches the lips, yikes, you know, with his finger, too, just like, oh, this is very non-appropriate for nowadays. Yes, yes, it was very inappropriate for then, too, I'm sure. Um, uh, quickly, we're into action, and Lloyd is sliding out of nowhere to save uh, Mary's briefcase. Um, Which I know, again, movies are impossible. You have to blow past <laughs> things. But he is fighting off the airbag, and they are 10 feet from the briefcase saying, oh, they're going to grab it. And then here comes Lloyd, excuse me, coming through, and he slides through in 10 seconds? I, but it's like he's, he was he's on a mission for Mary. So, I mean, he was. It's like he's sliding in the third base or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he runs straight out onto the jetway and he must've been running with his eyes closed or <laughs> yeah. I don't understand that, but, uh, he's it's okay. <laughs> I'm a limo driver. <laughs> and then he confesses to Harry after he gets back to his apartment that he did it again. Yeah. So, fell off the jetway again. <laughs> how many times has he fallen off that jetway? Yeah. Like did the dude at the gate, like know him? And it was just like, mm, yep, yep. He was shaking his head, you know, at the I tried to tell you last time. Tried to tell you last time. Uh, that that's a, a a great way to start the movie out, just slamming you in the face with grade A gags immediately. Yeah. Um, but he does have the briefcase now at uh, their apartment, and uh, uh, Harry asks him what's in it, and Lloyd says, "You have to be a low life to go rooting around in someone else's stuff." Is it locked? <laughs> yeah, really, really well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then there's a knock at the door, and it's Joe and JP. And it's Joe Mentanelli. I didn't write his name down again, but whatever. And then JP is the lady thug. Um, how dumb do you have to be? I mean, they're dumb. How dumb <laughs> do you have to be to assume that the gas company is sending armed thugs to collect money from you how far behind are you on this gas bill that you think that's the next step we've skipped past certified letters in the mail or collections or anything we got people here to kill you (laughs) if i you know that's a funny premise that you could just make into a movie like in the dystopic future where literally the utility companies come and assassinate you if you don't pay them right but That's, it sets it up for a perfect joke later. Uh, yes, it really does. The, yes, the gas man joke. Kind of yeah. No one have gas. Uh, <laughs> These guys but, are pros. <laughs> so they ditch, and uh, then uh, Joe and JP, they get into the apartment. And uh, Should we trash up, trash up the place? Uh, I don't think they're going to notice. <laughs> <laughs> so they kill Petey the parrot, which is unfortunate for the parrot, I guess. It's kind of a brutal scene, really. The, it's more brutal, in, I think, in the unrated. I, I don't think you hear the neck snap in the I, TV version. No, I don't think you do either. And there's a couple other instances where you definitely don't hear some of the things that are going on in yep, the movie in the TV version. Uh, I don't. I think you're right, but the look on JP's face is enough. Like Even right. she's disgusted, and she kills people for a living. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, obvious, I guess while, uh, Harry and Lloyd were gone, uh, they were looking for jobs because, uh, um, we drove around all day and there isn't any jobs, right? Yeah. Not unless you want to work 40 <laughs> hours a week. <laughs> <laughs> and then quickly, just to set up another funny part of the movie, cause you got to keep the gags going in a, in a comedy. Uh, they, uh, uh, Lloyd heads out to go get some stuff for them, you know, just the essentials, right? Yeah. <laughs> the essentials, uh, include beer, pinwheels, porn, and a novelty foam cowboy hat. Yeah. Four <laughs> pinwheels. Four pinwheels. So one for each hand for them, I guess. Yeah. And then everything got all ruined from a copy of a Rhode Island slut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that old lady, Lloyd's a complete ass to her, so. 
Uh, she just, I'm assuming, just probably drove away, right? Just drove away on yeah, his scooter. as soon as, I think she may have stayed and watched his stuff until he said, don't you go dying on me. Uh, right, that I was. that was the final <laughs> kicker. She's that, like, screw this guy. You could see, yeah, that was the kicker. And she took his stuff, too, right? Uh, was she? Do they show her driving away with it on her scooter? Well, they don't show that, but he comes in empty-handed, and he's yeah. like, where's the booze? <laughs> <laughs> so either she took it, or she just rolled away, and somebody else stole it all. True, that's true. Um, I don't know why. So somebody must have taken his wallet, too, out of the, the thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, maybe he got that back. Um, so, you know, then they're back in the apartment and, uh, he's like, we got no food. We got no job. Our pets heads are falling off. (laughs) (laughs) Before that, I love Harry's line. He's like, Petey's dead. And then, you know, Jim Carrey's classically concerned and says, what happened? His head fell off. His head fell off. Yeah. He was pretty old. I don't know if I ever paid attention to how ridiculous that line was, but I like, yeah, he was pretty old. Jeff Daniels' lines as Harry are A+. plus. Definitely. They're A+. plus. I love his lines. And a lot of times they're like really quiet. And if you're not paying attention or if you're just paying attention to Jim Carrey in the scene, you can easily miss it because he's so distracting in yeah. the movie. Which is distracting in a good way. But right. He demands, he demands your attention when he's on screen. I can't imagine how hard it was for each of them to get through lines with each other. Oh. Making each other laugh constantly. Should have watched the gag reel or whatever that was on my DVD. So, or my Blu-ray. I think it's the Blu-ray version that I watched. Yeah. Um, but we get that like super serious moment right after that like it is like serious like the full-on close-ups on both of them i thought that was really good acting yes like by both of them and it's it gets you really sad Mm -hmm. and you're feeling him you're like you know anytime you felt like a loser going for a girl too and it's hopeless like and then they go right into the silliness (laughs) with him like dramatically crying like a little girl and then all right that's enough it was yes he's dramatically <laughs> okay that's enough. all right that's a, after saying let it out let it out all right but yeah that's enough. i thought that too and i think i've always thought that even since like when i was a kid that i've always thought like man i really feel sorry for yeah. lloyd because he just wants what everybody else wants he yeah. wants a happy life he wants to be somebody yeah. you know and he, to a small extent he wants to be anybody like, really. no wonder that worked on harry yeah you know yeah because I meant to talk about this earlier, and I'm going to talk about it now. Which one's smarter, Harry or Lloyd? It's got to be Harry. Yeah, I think it's Harry also. I mean, Lloyd can't read. Right, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Doesn't mean he's necessarily not a smart person. (laughs) Uh, But I think I saw in one of the articles I read that Harry was described as like worldly. Like, he mm-hmm. may have uh, lived a little bit less of a sheltered life than Lloyd has. Yeah. Like, Lloyd seems like the kind of guy that was born in a city, with lived with his parents, moved down the block, you know? And, like, right. he's yeah. lived in the same, the same you know, five-block radius in Providence, Rhode Island he for 40 years. He still doesn't want to work a full-time job yeah. and he's an adult. Yeah. So, yeah, so it seems like Harry might be more worldly for sure. Yeah. I think he is the smarter of the two. He seems to take control of situations. Just and kinda, narrowly. Just narrowly. <laughs> yeah. kind of tempers uh, Lloyd down a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think, and it even shows in this first gag here once we're finally on the road where he Lloyd's running in place. Yeah. Uh, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> feels like you're running at an incredible speed, Harry. And no way you didn't do that a million times as a kid. I still do I it I still now. do that, exactly. <laughs> I, I noticed that 
watching this. There are so many things I still quote and do from this movie all the time. (laughs) Harry asks him to quit it because he's already getting annoyed by him and they haven't even made it to Connecticut. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure Rhode Island and Connecticut share a border. (laughs) (laughs) But then we get that quick discussion about how Lloyd sold uh, Billy in 4C. The blind uh, blind kid sold him the bird. (laughs) What did you sell him? Stuff. I love the stuff. Uh, a few baseball cards, sack of marbles. <coughs> Beatty. <laughs> what? <laughs> Harry, I took care of it. Uh, later on in the movie, like almost at the very end, you remember when uh, Mary is watching a current affair? Oh, yeah. And <laughs> Beatty comes yeah. up. <laughs> dong, dong. The poor Rhode Island blind kid who has sold a dead parakeet. I, I just thought he was real quiet. <laughs> Who are these sick people? And that's kind of like a theme, too. Obviously, they are dumb and dumber throughout Mm -hmm, this whole mm -hmm, movie. mm -hmm. Everyone thinks there's, like, this crazy master plan. The thugs think they're smart. This thing makes it seem like they're master criminals selling this bird. There is no logic or planning or anything going on in either of their heads. It just works out to seem that way. But they're just so dumb, and their luck is so dumb that it works out. Yeah, would you say they have good luck or bad luck? I don't know. You know, he spilled that salt, but I, <laughs> at the time, it's about mediocre. They got good luck and bad luck. Yeah. I mean, really, they—I take that back. They have really good luck. Yeah, when, I, when you think about it, they get away with way too many things. Right? They've ex- uh, escaped gunpoint many times. Many I've never—I've never had to escape gunpoint in my life. Nope. <laughs> yep. And you know, later when they ditch the cops because he goes the wrong way i was thinking that actually worked out the best for them because they're going to colorado this whole time then he just books it in the wrong direction so they clearly lose the sheepdog and then he trades the sheepdog so now they're looking for someone else driving the sheepdog right they eluded the police they ditched their vehicle and got something so so being dumb helps them so many times it really really does um to take a step back, we're at the diner now, and uh, one of my favorite gags ever in my life is the, what's the soup du jour? Yeah. That's the soup of the day. Mm, that sounds nice. That sounds that. nice. I like that. It doesn't say what it is. Just, mm, that sounds nice. <laughs> That's one of my favorite gags. Um, Seabass, on the other hand, is one of the grossest characters in the whole movie. Definitely. Like, even grosses them out. Um, that chaw spit, chew spit, whatever you want to call it. I haven't... I watched it two more times after you and I watched it, and I didn't watch that scene. I closed my eyes both times. I'm like, I'm going to start gagging if I watch him spit that loogie out again. Ugh, that's gross. I wouldn't have been surprised if he was actually chewing tobacco, because it was like all over his teeth. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah, super yellow teeth. And and you're clearly intimidating. He clearly doesn't want to mess with someone of your size. You know, he's like, (laughs) so why don't you just take the burger? You know, maybe... Give him a good smack in the arm. Why did you hawk on the burger you're going to eat? Very good question. Uh, I wouldn't want to eat that. No. (laughs) I know it's your own spit. Yeah. I don't want to eat that. Come on. (laughs) That's just hideous. Yeah. Uh, Harry and Lloyd end up getting revenge, though, and they end tricking the waitress into uh, uh, paying for their bill. Tricking the waitress into getting Seabass to pay for their bill. Yeah. Uh, that guy over there is Seabass. Seabass <laughs> points to himself when she's looking at him. It's just like <laughs> perfectly un. See, that's an instance where they have good luck, right? Right, exactly. That's an instance where they have good luck. He paid attention to one movie and it got them out of the exactly. situation. Exactly, yeah, that's what he said. It was, in, it was a trick that they did in a movie and Harry asked him if they got away with it. No, he got caught a half mile up the road and they slit his throat. <laughs> it was a good one. 
<laughs> and then immediately Harry steps on it. And then nope. two seconds later, uh, I know this is a bad time, <laughs> but when you get a chance to pull over, I really got to pee. <laughs> so his the solution, obviously, is to, get to pee in all those beer bottles that they're drinking and driving. I'm Which, <laughs> <laughs> to add to the things that don't make sense, why does he grab one bottle and then come back up to the seat? If all the bottles are back there, just stay back there and pee till you're done, in my opinion. But he grabs one bottle, goes and pees, and then somehow Harry's able to reach the next four, presumably for him, from the driver's seat? Yes, and then Harry's holding on to those bottles while driving. Yeah. Just chuck them out the window, chuck man. Chuck them out the window. I am not a proponent for littering. No. I hate that type exactly. of stuff. Like, I am a tree hugger, I guess you would even say. Right. But, uh... Chuck those piss bottles out the window. Please <laughs> chuck those out the window. <laughs> but they get pulled over by uh, that uh, state highway patrolman, something like that. Obviously, they were going very, very quick. Um, and Harlan Williams, I don't know if there was a, the character's name was anything but police officer in the movie. Yeah. Uh, you fellas sucking back on grandpa's old cough medicine. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, he, yeah? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> And then he drinks that pee. He drinks that pee. Oh, gosh. So hideous. So hideous. Just tell him the truth, you know? Don't do it. Tell him that it's pee. But no. I mean, he's not even drinking his own urine. Right. He's drinking somebody else's urine. And he swishes it around in his mouth. I was just going to say, I do not like beer. I'm not a beer drinker or alcohol in general. But is that what you do like when you haven't had a beer on a toasty day you swish around that first swish in your mouth oh no 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 i hope that was something that harlan i really hope that was something that harlan williams improved or probably. one of them said swish it around in your mouth yeah, first probably yeah i could see jim carrey saying you need to swish that around in your mouth <laughs> yeah oh boy uh, and then we get a short little scene about uh, the ransom situation is kind of explained explained to us and then we're right back with the guys on the highway. And uh, Lloyd is experiencing a little bit of highway hypnosis. Yeah. You remember those uh, videos from like uh, Driver's Ed and stuff where they were all the warning and stuff? I don't think so. No. Oh, man. We kind of had a Driver's Ed unit in high school. We had to do like other Driver's Ed stuff besides the class we took in high school. But there was this one video that had like all the... It wasn't the red pavement one where you see all the gory crashes and stuff because you can't sure. show that in a public school. But I remember one talking about highway hypnosis and they kept the guy kept going, highway hypnosis. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, definitely what happens to Lloyd. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, so we get one of his first uh, big delusions of the movie and uh, he's obviously going to be the hero of this whole thing. Get a gratuitous butt shot. It wouldn't be a movie that we've watched if there wasn't a butt shot in it. Apparently, yeah, every yeah. movie we watch has a butt shot in it. <laughs> um, you know, and he's on falling in love with Mary, and now they're going to the restaurant, which I'm still undecided. Is the restaurant in his fantasy the same restaurant that is at the hotel? Like I tried every to time f- I say I don't think so, then I'm not sure. Right, because I think about it, and I'm like, is it though? But right. I don't know if it is or not. I'm gonna say no. No. Maybe it's the same room shot at a different angle. Yeah, could be. It could be. Who knows? I don't know. I'm done talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> but we do get some iffy Asian stereotype stuff from uh, Jim Carrey, which oh, yeah. is uh doesn't really hold up too well. Uh, I did laugh at it. I don't know if it's because. It was funny when I was a kid, or if I kind of thought, I'll laugh at this because he's impersonating Bruce Lee. 
Right. He's not imp- impersonating Asians in general. Yeah. I don't know. But he punches through that guy's chest and, you know, puts it in a doggy bag, which is a great, great gag. It like, is a great gag. Very, very funny. Mary's like, oh, you know, she's like turned on when he did that <laughs> one. There's no way that would happen in real life. Uh, and then the headlights for Hooters. and Which uh, kind of proves how every fantasy he has with Mary is a fantasy. It is. A, <laughs> yes, exactly. It is a fantasy. And they're nearly ran off the road by that. Uh, yeah. By that semi, and uh, I think Lloyd wake or Harry wakes up, and you need me to drive, buddy? <laughs> I got it. I'm good. I'm, I'm good. good. I'm good. <laughs> they do make it to that hotel room, though, and they're sharing that uh, that uh, heart-shaped uh, hot tub. Yep. Um, Lloyd's listening through the wall, and this is that instance where they're in the unedited version, there is heavy moaning and grunting that you hear during this scene, and I'm pretty sure that is not in the original cut or the tv cut I yeah <laughs> i'm i think like the first two minutes of this scene and the unrated one is just not even an altered scene that's just completely extra that wasn't in the tv one right like they just took out the the sound the first yeah they the, just took out the first little part oh, the of the whole part yeah. gotcha the whole part because he keeps going with, talking about good thing you don't have a set of fun bags on you oh or my whatever. god that was the awkward most awkward thing ever yeah like, I'd split you like a piece of firewood. You'd probably like it. My goodness, that is. I was is, like, whoa, that, I do not remember this part at all. No. So I think is, that whole beginning part is cut out, obviously, of yes. the TV version, and then they start it up when they're talking about Freda Felcher. I think that's the first thing that's in yeah. the non-edited one. Yes, I, I believe you're right, and I think that's even the first thing that's just like in the original theatrical cut. Yeah. Like, I don't... Now I'm thinking that maybe they in the theatrical cut that they, he puts the glass up to the wall, but you don't hear the you moaning. You don't hear anything. Yeah. And so, then he starts talking about yeah, the, but the, I've been here before with uh, Freda Felcher. It wasn't as classy. Right. Like, and there's but, none of the homophobic. No, none of yeah, that at none all. None of that stuff That whole in there part, yeah. Yeah. I could have gone without having that in the movie. It, yeah. was, it was weird. It to, was one of the only out of place yeah, for sure. things in it, the whole movie. It, meant, it needed to be cut. It was cut. It right, should yeah. not have been put back in. Yeah. Um, but we get to find out, like you said, about Freda Felcher and the fact that Lloyd slept with Harry's girlfriend. Yep. And, um, I think we find out later that Harry was suspect of Lloyd. Yeah. But I think at that point, you can tell that Harry is kind of trying to pump Lloyd for information. Trying right. To He's get trying him. to get him to be honest with him. Yeah. Almost, and he, he doesn't. She give you a reason? A <laughs> uh, bunch of crap about me not listening to her enough or something. I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like when he says some little Philly, uh, what did he say? He said, uh, some little Philly break your heart. No, it was a girl. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, those, uh, those one-off lines, we mentioned it before, but those one-off lines, they're just classic. It's just bam, 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 bam. I just absolutely love that stuff. So Nicholas Andre, who's kind of the main villain, um, he's with his thugs, Joe and JP. Well, talking to his thugs, uh, Joe and JP in the phone booth. And uh, so that's when we first see that, you know, his thugs are like, they're on the trail. They're at yep. the same hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that dude that wants to get off the phone, yeah. get off the phone. Um, oh, he turned his back on me. I almost <laughs> like it. <laughs> but he punches right through that glass, which uh, is probably impossible, but he did it anyways. Yeah, yep. He made for a funny scene. That dude probably had massive cuts in his face. From <laughs> <Yep. the glass. laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, uh, 
the next day they're back on the road and uh, according to the map we've only gone four inches <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the classic betting ga- gag where uh i bet i can get you to bet by the end of the day yeah i bet you you can <laughs> three to one five to one ten to one you're on i'm gonna get you no you won't <laughs> i'm gonna get you i don't know how but i'm gonna get you um but then we get to see joe and jp's plan come to light because they're on the side of the road and jp is just gonna publicly urinate right on the shoulder of the highway which is odd i gotta squeeze a lemon she says go ahead whatever you gotta do um but they uh, stop uh and uh, joe says my car died i'm late for a luncheon (laughs) yeah and again i i I sound like a broken record bringing this up i know they're dumb but they were just afraid looking out their peephole while he was holding a gun and he's wearing the same trench coat. Yeah. It's been two days-ish max since that incident happened and they completely forget what this guy looks like. <laughs> I'm going to go with my instinct on this one. Saddle up, partner. <laughs> Don't normally pick up hitchhikers. Yeah. <laughs> they're, just... And they're instantly annoying Joe, you know? They've, they're playing the no tag backs game. Uh, you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? I'm not going to do it. Not gonna, probably, we're not going to do it's it. It's going to blow out the mics. But <laughs> the best part of that scene is watching Harry because clearly he laughed in real life yes. with that and they had to cut away from his face. Yes. And I think by the time they start singing Mockingbird, he's still laughing and recovering yes. from that because you can tell he's already smiling before they start doing the radio song. <laughs> uh, that's I love those scenes where they just can't get through it. 20 cuts later, they're like, well, whatever. We'll just, just Yeah, we'll just scan and pan yep. over there. Um, I like how Joe was so like dead, dead against just killing them and like getting over with it. Yeah. And he's been riding with them for five minutes. Yeah. He's already he's pulling, he's pull out the gun. Already yep. pulling the gun out. You don't kill people you don't know. <laughs> Apparently he knows them well enough after five minutes. He's like, they deserve to die. Yes. Uh, but they're saved by another set of hitchhikers. And then we get the mockingbird scene. Pick is- them up. <laughs> Me and my buddy do that all the time with free agents in football. All the time. It's always referencing pick them up. <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, boy, that was, uh, that, that whole, it's, it's some really funny stuff right away. Like, yeah. it's just super funny. Like that dynamic between the three of them is just very, very funny. Can't triple really stamp like. a double stamp. Can't triple <laughs> stamp a double stamp. Yeah. That's really good. Uh, they arrive at Dante's Inferno restaurant in the atomic pepper scene, right? Uh, it's more tingly than hot. It's more tingly <laughs> than hot. <laughs> and they, I always thought they looked like, like red hot tamales or whatever but are they actual peppers that they're biting in or is it i don't know they look like tubes to me too that's so they i thought they're probably eating something that's completely not peppers so that they well, could yeah. chow on them but For then sure. like then like the upgrading to blu-ray quality like reveals those flaws yeah that that's, stuff. True. So that's true I'm, I'm guessing that's what it is because they looked like tubes i didn't know what they were i was like those don't really look like peppers but i always go first i was like why don't you guys both stop being a bunch of pussies and do it at the same time <laughs> that sounds like a dare here that's a double dare because he knows that'll work you know like right. he knows if he says double dare like these guys are so out of it that'll work and then they're just squirting those condiments everywhere. The ketchup works. The mustard works. Yeah. <laughs> that scene is um, amazing. It is amazing. But it's all mysteriously cleaned up by the time Joe gets back to the table. <laughs> yep, that is true. <laughs> and uh, they're going to prank Joe with those peppers. Uh, it does not go well by yeah. any means. Uh, Why don't you heat up and we'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> How's your burger? How's your burger? <laughs> 
Joe finds out that they don't even know Mary, and he eats his burger, and that ulcer flares up, and it looks like it's uh, it's a problem for the uh, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quick, my pills! All the time, uh, Lloyd's attempting CPR. Out with the good, or out with the bad. In with the good, <laughs> yeah. out with the bad, yeah. in with the good. Comes with the blind ripped off and smacks <laughs> him in the chest. Uh, and then he's giving him mouth to mouth too, which has just got to be absolutely hideous. <laughs> yeah, It'd be a lot easier if you just held back. Uh, but Harry got the pills. Turns out though, it's the rat poison, uh, and they kill Joe. They uh, kill Joe. Check please. Check please. <laughs> and again, he's just allowed to leave. You know, he got fired from leaving the scene of an accident before, which was a car accident. But they're gonna just let him leave after killing a guy yeah they left yeah they obviously were there with him they were having conversations with him right nobody thought to say you guys should stick around and then they pay for his food (laughs) presumably presumably and then when the cops get there they say they're the ones that called the ambulance and then they took off so oh yes it says that they called the ambulance because i was just gonna say is it possible that they just snuck out in the confusion and the chaos? No, it's like first they suggested, should we call an ambulance? And they thought they could take care of it. And then he dies. And then all <laughs> of a sudden they call the ambulance and dip and the sheepdog. Uh, it was a different time in 1994, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, so. The feds are close behind him, like you said. And they, did you get a make on the vehicle? <laughs> yes, sir. They're driving an 84 sheepdog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, we get to see a sign that says 602 miles to Denver. So they're going to stop for a, uh, uh, they're going to, we get to see a, a sign that says 602 miles to Denver. And then soon after that, uh, we see a sign 25 miles to Denver. So they have made some pretty good progress. Yeah, that night. definitely. Um, so they're going to stop for some gas though, you know, and get that great thing. Well, of course you have to lift the dog's leg to fill the gas tank. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's, that's genius. And that's absolutely hilarious. Definitely genius. Uh, Lloyd's headed to the John. Uh, Harry gets to meet a lady outside, which yep. turns out to be federal agent, a uh, federal agent, Beth Jordan. Yep. Uh, coincidence? No, not a coincidence. So do you think that, so if she was working with the other federal agents and she, so she didn't know who they were, I bet at that point yet. Right. Or do you think, I think she did because she she says at the end, we've been following you all the way since Providence. Oh, so then she would have. So why did they set up the roadblock then? True. Why did they set up the roadblock? Maybe. And and why would she be leery about giving her number to Harry at first? Yeah. Why would she freak out? She would want to do that. Yeah. She'd be like, perfect. Yes. Like, here's my number so I can keep closer track of you guys. Wow. So that's true. Maybe that's a little loophole. I would say it's pretty easy to poke holes in comedy plots, and that might be a very, very big one that we just poked in. We're maybe dissecting a little too much, but Uh, but that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. That's what makes this stuff fun, right? For sure. Just to think about that stuff. Um, so I think I'm going to go with what you said that, yes, she knows who they are. She's purposely following them. And because he freaked out, she thought that it might be a good idea to back off. True. And just I get mean, away they from do them. think that they're more dangerous than they are. Th- they that all is, are presuming yes, that. Yes. So after he freaks out, she's maybe like, okay, no. Yeah. I got to deescalate the situation yeah. or something like that. Um, that is just really interesting, but there is a really funny, uh, dialogue between uh her and harry right oh yeah he goes skis right <laughs> yep they <laughs> yours both of them <laughs> <laughs> cool 
Yeah, I love that. And the, my, my what does she say, psychiatrist or whoever, therapist, says I should stay away from accident-prone guys. And then right away, he pops off the side mirror. Oh, you might want to fix that. It's, it's a little loose. <laughs> and then also, what is she doing lighting a cigarette at a gas pump? Yeah. That's never been that legal. That has never been legal. <laughs> I don't care if it's 1954. It's, yeah, it's seriously. not legal. Uh, but we do uh, finally get to get in that bathroom where Lloyd is trying to relieve himself, and we see for manly love be here March twenty fifth, two fifteen a.m. sharp. And is it just that stall? There's like three stalls. Would it if he was taking a crap in the next stall? Would have it made a difference? I don't know. I don't know if it would have made a difference because he was pretty set on sea bass's set on coming into that stall. Uh, yeah, he sure was. Uh, he sure was. I don't know if it would Yeah, why didn't he just like uh, move on over to the next stall? Right. Cuz when Harry busts in, there are multiple stalls in there. Yep. Oh, that is interesting. Why didn't he just leave? He should have just left instead yep. of being maybe forcefully raped by another man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which you don't that's another thing that's not in the TV or the theatrical cut. Definitely you not. Do not get to see Cam Neely's you, package you, in you, I think you only see him bust in and then you see Lloyd sucking on his thumb and Harry yeah. breaks in. You don't see anything else, obviously. No. You don't see the leopard thong <laughs> underwear no. or whatever the hell he's wearing. No. But Harry had to save the day because his good luck, his bad luck, yeah. good luck came through where he right. accidentally lit himself on fire. So he was able to save Lloyd yep. from being raped <laughs> and he he kind of gets lloyd back so earlier when lloyd's peeing in the beer, beer bottles ah, and yes. he gets it on his shoulder <laughs> with the cop well he just peed in this toilet and harry's splashing it all over him but i mean lloyd's so traumatized that he doesn't even notice so. <laughs> <laughs> traumatized is the right thing to say about that um <clears throat> uh, and then the scene following that in the car i think is completely added in the unedited version because He's talking about oh, the yes. trucker and all the what happened. Yes, the, you don't see that that's what he was going to do in the TV version. You just think he's going to beat him up. Right. So that's definitely an added scene. Yeah, that is definitely uh, an added scene. That is for sure. Uh, they do end up changing seats, so now Lloyd's driving, and that becomes pivotal. <laughs> 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 they make one last pit stop, uh, and uh, you know Lloyd's coming out of the gas station. Uh, hey guys, big gulps, huh? All right. Well, see you later. <laughs> and Harry's already asleep in that 84 sheepdog. Yep. Um, and if Some it people just weren't meant for the open road <laughs> after he was sleeping. Well, whatever. <laughs> that is hilarious. Um, you know, he's if it weren't for Lloyd messing with Harry, he would have made his turn. Yes. And I can't believe he didn't make the turn anyways. He could have corrected it, you know, and gone yeah. across the white lines. Like, yeah. I mean... It was kind of weird that he didn't correct the turn or slam on his brakes. That sign was enormous, right? Enormous, <laughs> but apparently plugging his nose has taken all of his attention. <laughs> it, it did take all of his attention. Um, you know, and then Harry wakes up the next day. Yep. <laughs> huh? I expected the Rocky Mountains to be a little bit more rocky than this. <laughs> yeah, me too. That John Denver's full of man (laughs) (laughs) harry quickly realizes what happened uh so we backtracked a little bit a sixth of the way across the country (laughs) (laughs) we ain't got no money now for nothing basically uh and then they part ways dramatically part ways that was test crash dummies yeah that was Uh, yeah uh, 
I thought too that that was a super appropriate song for uh, for that scene. Like oh, it yeah, was super definitely. appropriate. I liked it a lot. It's pretty iconic. Like that song makes me think of that scene. Right? Oh yeah, that's that's what that song does to me. Harry, <laughs> Harry. <laughs> and then we get the redemption. The right? redemption. Yeah, Lloyd and his sweet hog. Got room for one more if you still want to go to Aspen. <laughs> yeah. And I like how his helmet is like an actual bicycle helmet <laughs> yes. that he has to wear. Obviously the infamous miss high five that you've done a million times yep. with your friends. That's hilarious. And it's not the only time that they miss that high five. No. Nope. Yeah, Lloyd says that they can get 70 miles to gallon on that hog. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Lloyd, just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself. And they missed that high five. Yep. They're off on that scooter. Uh, and it's montage time. And it's not the first montage. It's not the last montage. This <laughs> nope. movie is built on montages. Yep. <laughs> and two of the grossest gags in the whole movie. You know, when he pees all over himself and yep. all over Lloyd. Yep. When Harry does. And then the snot. Like the snot on. It's not even the snot on Lloyd's face. It's the snot on Harry's face. That yeah. It just. And honestly makes me gag yeah, like it is it's so disgusting gross. for it's sure so and I know, I know it's cold but that doesn't hide the smell so no. w- later they're wearing the same clothes when they're in the hotel uh, yeah, room they you are, know aren't like, they? But okay oh my god they would have been they would have just reeked just like piss reeked <laughs> like piss uh, but as soon as they get off that bike it seems like they're completely dry by the way and they've completely yep. thought out yeah uh, uh, Lloyd says, "Hey, why don't we get busy delivering this briefcase to Mary?" Harry asks, "Where does he live? Where does she live?" I don't know. <laughs> What's her last name? You know, I don't recall. <laughs> Swimmy, swami, slippy, sloppy. He says it too. He and says swami. He gets it right. He says, yeah, he gets it right. And then this is where Harry's, you know, being dumb affects right. Lloyd. You know, right? Why, why don't, don't you, you look- check his briefcase? <laughs> Samsonite. <laughs> I was way off. And then Harry still says, I'm not seeing it here, Lloyd. Oh, she must be unlisted. <laughs> what are we supposed to do now, Lloyd? Yeah. Uh, and Assuming this... someone like Mary is unlisted. Right. And, and not that they know she's rich at this point. Exactly. But she certainly doesn't look like she doesn't have a phone number. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, then they're at the park and we get that great gag with his hands. My hands are freezing, Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> Here, take this extra pair of gloves. You had extra gloves this whole time. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're in the Rockies. <laughs> I'm going to kill you, Lloyd. <laughs> and luckily, because that's the good luck, bad luck again, yep, yep. Uh, uh, Harry wanted to kill Lloyd, but then they discovered that the briefcase is full of millions of dollars. Millions of millions dollars. Millions of dollars. So they're going to borrow the money. They're going to keep track of it with IOUs, right? Uh, and then obviously they're going to start to spend lavishly because what else would these yeah. two dummies do? After they say, we need to get ourselves some reasonable lodgings. And then this is the presidential <laughs> suite presidential often suite. held for royalty and famous. And then a $250,000 Lamborghini Diablo. Yeah. 275. <laughs> 275. Might want to hold on uh, to that one. And then the $100 tips. Here you go. go. Here, Here you go. go. <laughs> Throughout the whole movie. Like. Every time. Yeah. Every time. And then they're using the money as Kleenexes, as facial tissue. Right. Which is, One of them parts that's a little too dumb. A little to bit be, too dumb. Like, they have to, they know they have to pay this back and they're going to use that as Kleenex in the presidential suite. <laughs> You're telling me there's no Kleenex in the presidential <laughs> suite. Okay. The best part of that gag, too, is all over a Bell Pacific 
commercial, like <laughs> yeah. a telephone commercial, a telephone company commercial. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> oh, oh, I mean, <laughs> to be fair, at their place, seemingly they can only afford beer, Coors Light. Yep. They clearly don't have cables, so I mean, I guess they're, you know, a little emotionally tapped by watching some television commercial or not. <laughs> probably. It's probably, yeah, probably. You're 100% right. Um, but luckily, they find Mary in the paper because there's a big thing about the Snow Owl deal, right? Yep. Uh, we find out Lloyd can't read, which is it, yep. sad and hilarious. Sad and hilarious. The. Oh, the. That's a big one. That stuff just makes me laugh every time. And we get that awesome, famous dress-up montage that people parody now. It gets made fun of. Everybody knows it. Even if you haven't seen the movie, you know about the dress-up montage oh, from yeah. Dumb and Dumber. Everybody knows about the tuxes, for sure. Yep. Uh, it's a, Like I said, it's a direct play for Pretty Woman that had Richard Gere and uh, Julia Roberts, which I could see us doing that movie for this podcast. It'd be good because I haven't seen it. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. It's one of those movies that I really enjoyed to watch all yeah. the time. It was a VHS that I'm pretty sure... It, it was kind of weird because I remember my parents buying that movie for my sister, like around the time it came out. And that was probably like 1992. Mm-hmm. So my sister was uh, seven. She was what? Five in 1992? <laughs> seven, six. She was six in 1992. Uh, it was the weirdest thing ever. Like we'd watch it as a family and I'm like, this movie's about a prostitute. Yeah. <laughs> it seems wildly inappropriate for a five-year-old yeah, or six-year-old. I just remember, oh, Tori loves that movie. She's six. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, Lloyd's feet are absolutely hideous. Uh, I'm a shoes and socks kind of guy. I don't Same. know about you. Same. Um, feet gross me out. I'm just going to straight for up sure. say gross me out. And what I do for a living is not helping me with my feet situation. Yeah. I get sweaty enough feet as it is and whatever. My feet necessarily aren't gross. It looks like I'm wearing socks all the time in the summertime when I take my socks off because they're just so white from my tan legs. But uh, I just know that it that is one of the more gross parts of the movie for me. And I I mistakenly paused it right when oh. you see her like putting the grinder down on yep. his toes and you can see like the prosthetic nails. And they look so gross. So disgusting. <laughs> Obviously, no way they could be that long in him wearing shoes. Exactly. Just yeah, no exactly. Way, it's not, doesn't work that way. Uh, they both get the shave and a haircut. We get that blood gag, which makes that poor barber pass out. And the infamous bowl cut with yep. the actual <laughs> bowl on bowl. his head. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the better parts for sure. Yeah. Um, but. All this time, you know, Harry's doing the whole, like, judging Lloyd's tuxes, and it's always no, 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 and then the famous Dumb and Dumber tuxes get revealed, well, at least Lloyd's does the orange one, and it's a round of applause for Lloyd, uh, Harry loves it. Um, We get them at the Snow Owl Benefit, Uh, put us down for four, in case we want seconds. Yeah, (laughs) and then he gets them with the breast spray right in the eyes. And then before that, too, they're like full-on sword fighting with those canes. I love that scene. (laughs) And Harry just just smacks Lloyd. Just lines up and wails him in the ass. (laughs) I hope he really did that. Or at least maybe Jim Jim was wearing something in the back of his pants so he could really get that hit. But that pain on his face looked fairly genuine to me. All right. Oh boy, and uh, we get that lady that walks right by them, and uh, it's a pretty funny line from Harry. 
Uh, look at the fun bags on that hose hound. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> just a ridiculous thing to say. Just right. absolutely ridiculous. And then they both do their best Hannibal Lecter, which is a reoccurring thing with Jim Carrey. Yes, it is. Uh, Jim Carrey's Hannibal Lecter impression was better than Jeff Daniels. That's for sure. Yes, definitely. <laughs> One of my more uh, favorite lines from uh, Harry then is right after that. When he tells Lloyd, let's go get a couple of bowls of loudmouth soup. Yeah. I'd never heard, like, I, I don't think I've ever put together, like, what he was actually talking about with right, that. Like, right, right. Oh, he means, like, drinks. Right. Some <laughs> that's, liquid courage. That's pretty dang funny. Yeah. Um, we find out Lloyd would do anything to bone Mary. <laughs> you know, you get that feeling you do anything to bone her. That's a special feeling, Lloyd. <laughs> Uh, but he just doesn't have the courage to talk to Mary, so he's going to hang by the bar. Put out the vibes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And send Harry to do the work for him, which Harry may be the smarter of the two, but he's way more easily manipulated. Way more easily manipulated. And, and he, he, without trying, he's honestly a lot more smooth with the ladies. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he comes in with a line where it seems like he's being very offensive, <laughs> but you know he's really and you know it was not his intent to sweep Mary off her feet. He no. actually even again kept bringing up Lloyd, but you know the stepmom is who I'm assuming that is. I would say so because they look like there's all of like five years between the two of them. Yeah, you know, the, between so Mary she's and like his mom. the rich stepmom. I in think her it's situation. the stepmom. You know, she's the one who like really pushes Harry to go for Mary, and he finally gives up. Yeah, know, he finally says, gives up. Sure, like, yeah. What time? Uh, that line that you mentioned uh, in the last podcast. Uh, I used to have a pair. Of but I do specialize in canines. Yeah. <laughs> Dogs to Dogs the lay <laughs> person. And Mary, you know, the sweetheart she is, she just laughs it off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And Harry gets to tell a Shih Tzu joke, which is always good. Yeah. Um, but like you said, uh, he's now going back to uh, Lloyd to explain the situation. Um, and he lies to him. Yep. He just straight up lies. Just straight up lies to him. Uh, well, this calls for some of the bubbly because Lloyd's super excited <laughs> about that. And uh, good luck, bad luck. Again, yep. there kills, it is again. Kills that owl. Yeah, so they clearly they are referencing that these guys are some master plan artists again, as if they planned this, but it was completely accidental, and it leads to the scene where he is pretending like they are getting us back, like we killed their bird and now they're killing ours. And no, that is not what happened. They don't <laughs> even know they did it right. at first. So. Right? Yeah. And Nicholas even says these guys aren't just anybody. They're good. They're good. <laughs> They are definitely overestimating the yes. the guys. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, quickly back at the hotel, Lloyd's getting ready for his date. Uh, Harry's dressed as Peekaboo Street. Do you know who Peekaboo Street is? I do not. So she was a downhill skier uh, akin to like a Lindsay Vaughn type. She was oh, like okay. in the Super G, all that type of stuff in the 94 Lilyhammer Olympics. Sure. So I'm assuming like that was the outfit that she wore yeah. was that pattern and stuff. I just remember in grade school, she was, it was an Olympics year. So those Olympic athletes were all over the school classrooms yeah. and all over the school and all that stuff. And that's a direct, a direct reference to Peekaboo Street. <laughs> where, where are you going wearing something like that? <laughs> it's a bit revealing. It's a bit revealing. <laughs> he does you, put on shorts. <laughs> yeah. You think so? Uh, don't worry. It's just a little lump. No one will notice. <laughs> <laughs> and that immediately is like red flags. All right. I got to put on some shorts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It definitely was a red flag. Got to put them shorts on. Um, Lloyd is definitely off the deep end with mary oh yeah he says to harry she's the love of his life the blood in my veins 
or until I get sick of her and need to move on. Yeah, like he has <laughs> pumped this potential hypothetical love story up so much in his head at this point. Uh, but uh, Harry hits the hits the bar, or Larry, uh, Larry Lloyd is going <laughs> to head to the bar for his ten o'clock a.m. Uh, uh, date with Mary, which you know that comes into play a little bit later. And he shows up at nine fifteen. Nine fifteen forty. We don't open for forty five minutes. But why don't we talk about these two sequences like separated instead of going back and forth? Let's sure. talk about Mary and Harry on the slopes. Harry is an embarrassing idiot. Oh yeah, right <laughs> from the get-go, as soon as he comes in, where you know he's dressed like he's rich, but he's clearly not, clearly temporarily rich, but and knocks all the skis over right away, pisses everybody off, and then waves to Mary, and she embarrassingly <laughs> waves back to him. <laughs> yep, I'm with him, I guess. No. Yeah, he knocks over those skis, which is uh, what is the, what do you hear? Like, great job, idiot. Yeah, something along <laughs> those lines. Uh, but. Immediately, they're going to be heading out on the slopes, and of course, Harry's going to get his tongue stuck on the pole. Ooh, frost. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? And then Mary just ditches him. Ditches just him completely. ditches him. I, I'm flabbergasted watching that every time. She just ama- later shows up, and his tongue is still on the pole, and she's like shocked. Like, whoa, Harry's still over there. Where did you go? Exactly. Didn't you come to ski with him and then you hopped off a ski lift for how long and skied by yourself? Like, (laughs) okay. And then whoever was operating the ski lift, instead of helping him get unstuck from the pole, they removed like the ski basket or whatever you want to say that you ride in (laughs) and just put it over by like the chalet, like the cafe and just let him sit (laughs) there outside. (laughs) Nobody's going to get this guy a cup of warm water. No. And then nobody in the whole cafe is hit. They're all just ignoring him. Just letting him sit there. Um, (laughs) I just can't, I can't get over that honestly, but moving on, moving on. Uh, Mary ends up just ripping his tongue off the pole like a Band-Aid. Ugh. Like, that is the absolute worst. There's no way she would do that. Why it's, in God's name? She's not dumb. So the, why would she not go get some warm water? Worst possible solution yeah. to that problem. Hot chocolate. Something. But nope. Uh, It'll just be like a Band-Aid. So Trav, will you please share a story of when you licked metal in the wintertime? We've all done it. <laughs> it if you was, live in Minnesota, we've all done it. We've all done it. I think I mentioned I've done it twice. I don't know why I did it twice. I blame this movie. Mm, Frost. <laughs> but I know I did it once at school on a big old pole outside at the basketball courts in the winter. Obviously, that was not a good idea. I think that one wasn't as bad because I was able to get my tongue off with slight blood. But I did it once at my home in the backyard. We used to have a little metal railing and i don't know why i did that but my dad came out and had to go get a cup of warm water because i was stuck pretty deep on that one uh how did the i've only done it one time how did the uh damage do compared to the two ways of it getting removed was it way less with the cup water way less was it still painful I don't even remember it being too painful okay honestly so that's so that is definitely the way to do it because i'm sure like I said, we live in Minnesota, so my daughter will do this at some point. Yep. <laughs> it's going to happen. Yep. Uh, so i got to remember a cup of water, at least like room temperature water, something. Exactly, right? something. Yeah. Uh, the one and only time that I did it, um, I was maybe six, seven, eight years old. I was running around the neighborhood with some uh, neighborhood friends. And uh, every year, my neighbors, they had a kid that was uh, older, like two years older than me. And then he had an older brother that was like five years older than him than his brother Mm -hmm. uh they always had a boat that was 
propped up against their dock or their dock, their deck in the wintertime. And so we would pile all the snow because the deck was probably like three feet off the ground. So we pile up all the snow on the other remaining two sides to make a cool ice fort yeah. underneath the deck. You know, mm-hmm. one of the, one of the walls is always this boat. <clears throat> the older brother of Aaron, uh, said to me, you need to go lick the boat. So what did I do? You licked the boat. I licked the boat. And you know what they did? They, they left. ran away. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so me being a six, seven, eight year old, it's like getting dark. It's really cold outside. I'm panicking. I'm panicking. Just <laughs> yep. rip. Ugh. And that was a bad, bad that's experience. That's why that's the only time you ever did that. That was a I bad experience. I have experienced enough pain the first time, so I thought, <laughs> well, let's try it again. I think I even remember my mom maybe going over to the neighbors and being like, why did you ditch Drew? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come and get me. Or my something. poor boy. <laughs> that might have happened. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Always looking out for you. Always looking out for you. Um, back to Harry and Mary on the slopes. Uh the we get to see him make a snowman. Yep. Um, we get to see that snowman's cash and prizes. <laughs> we do get to see that. And do you think Harry is trying to be funny, or does he? I mean, he gives the face like he was surprised it was supposed to be the nose and eyes, but I can't tell if he's just thinks that's where it's supposed to go, or I wouldn't put it past him to be that charming, but <laughs> I also wouldn't put put it past him to just be that dumb. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I think it's a fifty fifty. Maybe 60% charming, 40% stupid. Yeah. It could be something like that. And then Uh, that leads to after that one of my favorite scenes in the movie where she playfully tosses a snowball at his jacket and he rounds up the most perfect snowball from four feet away and 108 mile (laughs) fastball pitch right to the face. Boom! She is so shocked by that. (laughs) Yeah. So shocked. So she whips one at his shoulder and then he proceeds to tackle her down the snow hill. (laughs) (laughs) But they laugh about it at the end. They do laugh about it at the end. It's a great scene. (laughs) Oh boy. But then we'll just move on now to Lloyd at the bar. We'll do the second half of these uh, these scenes now. Um, Like you said, he's there 45 minutes early. I'm meeting someone. Mind if I sit down? Yeah. <laughs> go right ahead, dude. Go go yeah. ahead. <laughs> and then quickly we see that uh, um, he's asking the bartender, excuse me, is it 10 a.m. yet? <laughs> it's one. <laughs> Ooh, that's what I have too. <laughs> I thought it was a bit fast. Like three hours fast. <laughs> <laughs> he does get that sympathy beer out of it, he which is nice. does get a sympathy beer. Um, and uh, Agent Beth, she's there again. Um is she pumping him for information? She's definitely, because there's, A, there's no way she's drunk when she walks in. She's got to be pretending to be more drunk than she is, because by the time the scene's over, she hasn't even finished that one drink. True. He went from two empty beers and the free one, so a third one, to about five, maybe six empty bottles. <laughs> yeah, I think she's right. still working on the same thing. To be fair, she's gabbing like crazy, yes. so she's maybe not even giving herself time to drink her own drink. True. But... Yeah, I think she's pumping him for information. I think so, too, because she could have sat anywhere along that bar. It didn't seem crowded, and yeah. she sat right next to him. I mean, maybe that's uh, something that you would do if you're uh, an available single, sit down to yeah. next to another guy, strike and up a conversation. I, but. I do like what this show's about Lloyd. Is there, He, no joke, is in love with Mary. Yeah. Because there's no denying that... Uh, this FBI agent is a beautiful woman mm-hmm. and she's coming to sit next to someone who presumably hasn't been with anyone since Freda Felcher. <laughs> presumably. A- and he's not having it 
at all. I mean, she is annoying him, to be fair, but still, he is merry on the brain. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that is a good point. I hadn't really thought of that. Um, I hadn't really thought of that. That's definitely a good point, that he is not interested he in anybody at all. He is obsessed. That's what I would say about that. Um, you know, I agree with you, though, completely. She was definitely trying to get information out of him. Um, Lloyd then finds out where Mary lives from the bartender. I think it's a little odd that the bartender willingly gave up that information considering that he she, he was waiting there for her all day. Definitely. A um, little creepy. I guess I wouldn't want bartenders giving out my address. Yeah, <laughs> at all. And he knows who Mary is, so he knows that she's rich. You know, I yep. mean, well, and they might be assuming this at this point because her briefcase had all this money, but the bartender knows that she's rich and basically stood up Lloyd for hours yep and then gives away the address like clearly he would be thinking okay mary wants nothing to do with this guy yeah but he just gives up the address gives it up the big place up on alpine drive (laughs) big place alpine drive big place and he just takes off (laughs) Uh, okay he does take off immediately and then one of the best gags one of the better gags of the movie he sees the framed newspaper of the moon landing no way no way (laughs) that's great we landed on the moon (laughs) (laughs) oh i love that that is a great a great because i mean He's obviously living under a rock. He like, has no just, TV. No, no TV at all. Um, now we get a pivotal, pivotal point here in the movie. Uh, Harry and Mary are in the Lambo at Mary's house now. Uh, he manages to close the deal and get a second date yeah. out of Mary, which yep. is, I mean, he's charming. I will. He's he's just charming. He's yeah. just a charming dude. Uh, Mary asks him if he'll pick her up at 7:45 tonight. Uh, I got a few things to do, but uh how about we make it quarter to 8? Stop it. <laughs> Fine, 7:45. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love that. Absolutely love yeah. that. Uh but Lloyd saw the whole thing and he's so sad he's going to throw up. He's so <laughs> sad he is gagging. Yes, I like that. Oh boy, but now we're back at the presidential suite and uh L- Harry is just going to perpetuate that lie with Lloyd and just say, you know, um, what if she meant 10 o'clock at night? Why would she want to meet you at a bar at 10 in the morning? Yeah. I just thought she was a raging alcoholic. <laughs> and I thought this was more mean for some reason watching it, but then my friend immediately pointed out while this was happening, well, he's kind of getting him back for doing the he same is. thing to Fredo Felcher. He is. Whether Harry's consciously doing that, I mean, it is kind of revealed that he does know that, the, what it, so maybe that's why he doesn't feel so bad about it. Right. I mean, that makes sense. I still don't think it was, like, they're clearly best friends, so it clearly wasn't his intent initially, but at this point, he's like, you know what? You did that to Freda Felcher, or did that to me with Freda Felcher, so I'm going to get you here. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that is a valid point. I think that's, if it's not at the front of his mind, it's definitely in the back of his mind. He's definitely doing it, he's definitely doing it for that reason. Uh, But out comes that Turbo Lax, which... Man, half a teaspoon for instant relief. Oh, way more than a half a teaspoon. That's half the bottle. Yeah. Honestly, that much Turbolax would probably kill you. Seriously. <laughs> probably would kill you. It'd be more than one crazy poop. That's <laughs> for sure. I promise you that. Yes. It'd be a couple of crazy nights of pooping. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't just be one relieving poop. Uh, but uh, just let the mayhem begin now with this scene here at the Mary's house with the toilet. 
because Harry destroys that yeah. <laughs> toilet, figuratively and literally. He destroys oh, no, that. no, I'm shaving. <laughs> shaving? Yeah, I thought it would save some time. <laughs> he didn't come in with a razor or anything, <laughs> nope. but okay. Nope, it's... Uh, that whole scene is awesome physical comedy by Jeff Daniels. He yeah. sells it amazingly well. Yeah. Um, he starts dismantling the toilet after she tells him that the toilet's broken. Yeah. Uh, that is, why would you do that? Why would you do that? <laughs> dismantling the toilet. Seriously. Oh my God. And then uh, when he's in the unrated version, he has taken the toilet off the floor and dumping it out the window, right? Ugh. That's not in the theatrical That is cut. not no. in the theatrical My version. goodness, your face is inches away from piles of diarrhea. Harry, <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, I'm gargling. <laughs> no, you are not gargling. You are not gargling. Oh, boy. But Lloyd shows up uh, at the door, and um, she's very surprised to see him. Doesn't know who he is immediately, and he's very hurt by that, but... She figures it out. She remembers his name, which is Lloyd, right? Lloyd, right? Right. Uh, you left your briefcase at the airport, you big goof. You big goof. <laughs> I have it at my hotel if you want to jump on the old bike with me. Which, again, okay, so I know she's pumped to get the briefcase, but after the whole incident in Providence with the hug and the finger on the mouth and the very creepy vibes, do you really think she would hop on the back of that moped scooter that gets 70 miles of the gallon holding him so tightly going to a hotel room that she doesn't know what's going to happen i don't know I it don't... is a lot of money but i don't know we're never implicitly or explicitly told how much money is in that briefcase she might not even know she might not even know that's, uh, that's a very true. good I didn't point think that it's got to be a million plus yeah if you're going to drop three or a quarter of that on one vehicle yep. Definitely. Let alone the ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a night that hotel probably is. Yep, and it's, the brand new clothes constantly, brand new tuxes, brand new cowboy outfits, ski outfits, skis. It's got to be millions. Yeah, all the boxes that they have pile out of the car. I'm gonna say it's between two point five and eight point three million dollars. <laughs> yeah, somewhere <laughs> you know, give or take. You know. uh, but she ditches him, ditches Harry without even a second thought because she wants to take care of that money. Yep. Um, but they get back there. Uh, Mary and Lloyd get to the hotel. Uh, race you to the top. <laughs> I, that's one of my favorite scenes too. <laughs> I'm gonna do that to my wife sometime and literally grab her and pull her down, just like uh, Larry. Did, or I keep saying Larry, Lloyd and Harry, Lloyd and Harry. Mix Lloyd. Them together, they make Larry. They make Larry. <laughs> <laughs> that's the truth. Um, Is that when the song "Mary Ma"? <laughs> I think that's playing. Yeah, right I think too. you're right. I think you're right. Um, Mary's grateful, very grateful to Lloyd for having the briefcase and. Uh, uh, we get to see Lloyd bearing his soul, and we think he's doing it to to Mary, but yep. it's just a practice round. Yep, um, <laughs> just a practice round. Yep. It goes way better in the practice <laughs> it round. It goes way better in the practice round because she comes out of the bathroom, which I think it's weird that he's sitting in the same room as her while she's going to the bathroom in like a little closet when obviously that hotel has multiple rooms. He probably could have excused himself from the room. I wouldn't have stayed in the room while yeah. she was using the bathroom. Especially if he's talking to himself, practicing. <laughs> exactly. I would not want to be that exactly. close to the bathroom. But do you know the way it went? Actually, what did he say to what did he say to Mary? I desperately want to make love to a schoolboy. <laughs> <laughs> She's and I think she says she needs to go, and he's like, oh, that's, "That's not what I meant." Oh boy, Mary was stunned to say the least when yeah. he said. <laughs> 
I like you, Mary. I like mm. you a lot. I like you a lot. <laughs> and then he asks her if he has a chance. And uh, he's like, one in a hundred? One in a thousand? No, more like one in a million. And then to reiterate what I said before, Lloyd has built up this what could be with Mary so much that even though she just royally rejected him, he still says, are you telling me there's a chance? <laughs> yeah, he's just completely delusional on a massive scale from like tip to tip to end, whatever. He's completely yep. delusional, but it works for him, right? It, do- it does work It for works him. for him. Um, uh, Nicholas then is knocking at the door. Uh, Nicholas Andre. Um, and Lloyd says, sorry, we don't need any more towels. (laughs) We got plenty of towels. (laughs) Yeah, we got plenty of towels. (laughs) But Mary especially is super surprised to see him because up until this point, she has assumed that he is on her side. Right. Um, now the, the really hitting the fan. The is literally hitting the fan. (laughs) Nicholas says that he's been looking for Mary and he's got news about her husband, which he, her husband has only been mentioned Two, three, four times in this movie up to this point. I, I don't even think it gets the three or four. I'm thinking two, two maybe right? as many as it yeah, is. Yeah, that's just that's kinda, the second time. It's kind of odd to me. It just goes to show you how little the actual plot of this movie matters to the movie. Yeah, it doesn't matter to the movie. One hundred percent. And uh, Lloyd says, "Husband, what was that? One in a million, million talk." <laughs> <laughs> and then Nicholas, obviously getting pushy at this point, aren't you going to invite invite you? Uh, Aren't you going to invite me in? Um, he wants to know where that money is immediately. Yep. And uh, the IOUs but, are revealed at this point. Yes. <laughs> A dirty napkin for $275,000. Might exactly. want to hold on to that one. <laughs> Those are IOUs. Those are just as good as money. Every cent's accounted for. <laughs> <laughs> so, Which I also find hard to believe as they're hand, handing out hundreds for right. days as right. tips. Like right. you were keeping track. I don't know. I agree with you. There's no way that there. Maybe Harry could keep track, but Lloyd can't read, so I'm guessing he probably can't write. So he's not keeping track of any of that stuff. Uh, Nicholas definitely wants to kill uh, Lloyd at this point. He is uh, full on, got that gun out, and he's ready to start blasting. Yep. <laughs> so I pulled my gun out and I just started blasting. That's what he was going to say. But luckily, Harry has shown up at the hotel room. Um, he walks in on that holdup situation and is in as much danger as everybody else now. Yep. And at this point, Nicholas is all business. Which one of you, which one of you wants to get it first? Um, little glimmer of their true friendship here, right? Yep. They're saying, Lloyd says he wants to do it. Harry says, I want to do it. Lloyd says he wants to do it, you know? And then Harry obviously knows how to push Lloyd's buttons and starts talking about how he hung out with Mary and touched her leg yeah, and all that stuff. Yeah, the and best day of my life. She touched my leg. <laughs> okay, kill him. <laughs> I love and that. And he does. And he does. Yes. But, uh... You killed my best friend, you <laughs> bastard. But Harry comes up blasting. Uh, and a good thing that he's a terrible shot. Yeah, a <laughs> At least for Nicholas's, Nicholas's uh, case. Uh, but the feds bust in at that point, which they should have busted in a lot earlier if they were turning there, waited yeah. for gunfire. And uh, Harry says, they slapped this vest on me and gave me a gun. What if they shot you in the face? 
what if he shot me in the face? That was a risk we were willing to take. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the best. I know I said it a lot that it's one of the best lines oh, in this yeah. movie, but that is just straight up hilarious. Definitely. And <laughs> as you notice, he has no bullets or bullet holes in his vest as I he opens his shirt. did not notice that. Yeah, it's just completely brand new. Good eye. <laughs> good eye. That seems like such a glaring thing for continuity that somebody would have just said hey he's got to have some holes in that thing yeah something that's that's a glaring omission in continuity um but you know we then get to see mary reunited with her husband and we get one last delusion from lloyd where he (laughs) shoots up the husband (laughs) mary's saying lloyd lloyd i want you to meet my husband Hi, Bobby. I'm so happy for you. Yeah, as he's squeezing his hand on the old mic. And then Bobby says, I owe you both a debt of gratitude. Instead, they're walking by the side of the highway with no money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, seriously. After all this, Mary doesn't do anything to try to help these guys. Nothing. Nothing whatsoever. They you, literally saved her husband. They should be heralded as heroes. Like, they would be on TV, in the newspaper. Yeah. All types of stuff. For things other than selling a dead parakeet right, to a Right, exactly, kid, like. exactly. Like, it's just, it is kind of weird that they just ended up walking on the side of the highway at the end of the movie, but... Harry does say that the cops took their nest egg and stuff yeah. like that, which... And that the hog died or whatever. Yeah, the hog yeah. died. Yeah, yeah, Harry says that. Uh, oh, he says, uh, first Mary dumps us, the cops take our nest egg, and then the hog breaks down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when are we ever going to catch a break? Hello? Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Hawaiian Tropic Girls bikini tour. What is a bikini tour? Seriously. <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, what? You... I it's, I don't even know what to guess that would be. Seriously, it seems like something straight out of a 1994 Budweiser commercial. Yeah, a yeah. bikini tour. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh boy, but we get a hi, y'all. We're going on a national bikini tour, and we need two oil boys to grease us up before each competition. You're in luck. <laughs> there is a town about three miles that way. Uh, okay <laughs> and they pull away do you realize what you've done he gets to do it again the gas man thing yeah. yeah and then they stop the bus excuse me my friend's a little slow the town <laughs> is back that way like, oh man wow two lucky guys are gonna get to drive around with those girls for the next couple of months <laughs> don't worry we'll get our break soon enough i think he's like, uh, we just got to keep our eyes open yeah yep. <laughs> and then lloyd just goes yeah yep <laughs> and then we get one final tag you're it and yep. he quits he stamped it yeah i like that it was really cool that they kept playing that over the credits for an extended period of time yeah i really like that stuff at the end of movies especially at the end of comedies when they oh, skew yeah. a little bit shorter even though dumb and dumber is not a short movie yeah it nearly clocks in at two hours Almost, which is long yeah. for a comedy definitely i was kind of surprised like i always check out the how long these movies are before i start watching them to know how much time i have to watch them right and i'm like really 157 i realize that's with credits so yeah. it's probably more like 147 but still but still in that's... my head it was a 90 minute movie exactly until we started watching it. wow yeah it's surprisingly surprisingly a little bit long which i mean it never once feels long 
Although I did say to you, taking notes on movies like this takes the joy out of them a little, a little bit, bit. Yeah, I still enjoy it. It's still funny. But... The last thing I wrote down here is, we already mentioned it, but I had to write it again. The soundtrack is amazing. Yeah, it really, really is. And I think I'm going to go to Amazon and buy that soundtrack tonight. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I think I'm going to. I'm buying the CD, even though I don't listen to CDs. I just want to have the CD. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, man, I really don't have anything else to say about Dumb and Dumber besides the fact that I love that movie. I really, really do. It's I need to watch it more. Yeah. Doing this podcast has made me understand that the movies that I love to watch, I need to watch them. Yeah. Not just be like, I love that movie. Yeah, I loved that 20 years ago. Like, yeah, we need to be watching. Watch it. Ones. You got to watch it. If you really love it, you got to watch it. And I honestly think watching this I, I mean i laugh every time i feel like this would be a movie if i had to pick one movie for the rest of my life this would probably be the one that i could just keep rewatching over and over i always find it hard to say would it be a comedy but i think it would be a comedy and i think it would be dumb and dumber i, th- I think if you are choosing one movie to like if you're in a box and you have one movie to watch for the rest of your life Choosing a comedy, I think, is the correct answer. Yeah, that's true. You shouldn't choose some gory movie. You no. shouldn't choose some action flick. You shouldn't choose some horror flick. Yeah, You're gonna that's get true. Screwed so up in the head. Comedy is the right answer. I think comedy is the right answer. And the only movie that I would even consider to do that hypothetical thing, living in a box, one movie for the rest of my life, would be Super Troopers. I think that's the only other movie where I can just watch it on repeat. And I realize that that movie technically doesn't exist to this podcast, but Super Troopers is so good. Yeah. <laughs> I would say Step Brothers, but that uh, doesn't exist does, either. That but, doesn't exist according to this Brothers. podcast. Um, great movie. Let's move on to that homework assignment. Uh, do you want to introduce what we're doing for this homework assignment? We are going to do Ed, Ed, and Eddie for this next homework assignment. Yep, we're going to do the first six episodes of the first season. And Ed, Ed, and Eddie was created by Danny Antonucci. Nailed it. Nice. Danny Antonucci for Cartoon Network. And the, it was the sixth of the network's cartoon cartoons. So sort of like how Ren and Stimpy is an original Nicktoon. This is like an original cartoon cartoon. So it's mm-hmm. the same kind of thing for Cartoon Network. Yeah. Um, it was produced by Canada-based AKA Cartoon. Uh, Danny Antonucci, he wanted the show to resemble... Uh, cartoons from the 1940s to the 1970s. So like the golden age of animation, really, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. Um, This was also the last major animated series to use traditional cell animation. And I like it a lot. I love cell animation. Yeah. Uh, Interestingly enough, the animation cells were shipped to South Korea for the initial animation and then finished at Antonucci's, a.k.a. Cartoon Studios. So like all the like the backgrounds and like the main animation movements of the characters mm-hmm. were made in South Korea and then they would do the fill in between oh, like okay. all the other stuff that you have to do with it. Ed, Ed and Eddie season one episodes one through six aired originally in 1999. Ed is voiced by Matt Hill. Ed, normally called Double D, Double D. was voiced by Samuel Vincent and then Eddie was voiced by Tony Sampson. Uh, the show revolves around these boys and the other kids in the neighborhood, along with their adventures, scams, predicaments that they usually would get into. Uh, usually their goal was to obtain the almighty jawbreaker. The almighty jawbreaker. That was what almost every episode revolved around was getting jawbreakers, right? Do you, do you like jawbreakers? 
Um, I get bored with them. Same. So I don't ever like the show. Made me think I liked Jawbreakers, but I get I bored really, with them. I really don't. No, huh. and they end up like making my mouth hurt after a while. But the, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but it works for this show. It did. It did. It did. Uh, just for some more specific dates, season one ran from Jan four to June eleventh in nineteen ninety one and had thirteen episodes. So yes, we're only doing the first six. Um, we're gonna do the last seven. It may not be for a few months, but we're going to do the last seven. We will come back to it. Um, all the episodes in this season were uh, written by the following writers, and sometimes it's in combinations of these names, but all these guys were the writers for it. So Danny Antonucci, obviously the creator, also directed every episode. Joan O'Howard, Mike Kubat, and Rob Boltier. It's B-O-U-T-I-L-I-E-R. I don't think it's Boltier. No, I'm gonna say. I think he said it right. Boltier. Boltier. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have all the episode names here on my uh, notes, but I don't think I'm gonna read them all because that's kind of boring. But I did want to say I talked with Trav a second before we started recording that I didn't put it together that every episode title is a play on some other title. I yeah. don't know why I didn't put it that put that together. And it's fairly obvious. Like episode one A, so the first 15 minute block first 10 minute block uh is the ed touchables which is obviously a play on the untouchables yeah. the great movie the untouchables uh, and then there's a couple other ones like vert edgo which i i like uh, vertigo obviously uh um what was his name hitchcock's vertigo like yeah. that's pretty cool and then uh, dawn of the eds that's a dawn of the dead dawn of the dead reference yeah i mean that's really cool stuff they are pretty good um it takes a little time and a little bit of thought to uh, to do that in an episode, and I appreciate the work that was put by the writers for that. Like I said, check out the uh, links in our show notes if you want to check out any of the stuff that I talked about. Other than that, over to you, Trav. Real quick before we get into these juicy emails, so I gotta be the guy who always points out who's in Friends is in our homework assignment, so I noticed that Mary's stepmom, like we were saying, we don't know if it's her stepmom or who it is in her life, but that is Phoebe's birth mom and friends. Um, I thought that was interesting. And the guy who gets punched at the phone booth actually works at Monica's restaurant in the show and sets her up with what she believes is a stripper for Chandler's late bachelor party, but she's actually a hooker. <laughs> So I thought that was funny to see him in this. Oh, friends. Oh, friends. <laughs> but getting into these emails. So first one comes from that there didn't done make no sense. Wants to know if you could have one superpower, what would it be? So flight is the obvious answer, right? That's what everybody That's says. The is flight, obvious right? answer. But I think I would choose immortality. Immortality. Like that's kind of a cop out. I won't say immortality. Um, the the ten year old in me wants to say invisibility. Yeah, but that's too pervy. <laughs> um, I think I would choose something like Cyclops laser vision or something like that. Something that's not too crazy, but that would give me like awesome. Like I could do awesome tricks with it. That <laughs> would be I mean? sick. Like I think I think I want to say Cy like Cyclops type ability. I like that. Makes me think of the boys. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, I know that doesn't exist in this part. Well, no, we're at doesn't. the email part, so yeah. any, anything well, can exist. Are you caught up on part. the boys? Yes. I am not caught up on the boys. <laughs> I know that uh, what's-his-name takes uh, a form of the serum to get his own superpowers. Though. Yes. Billy Butcher. Yeah, Billy Butcher. Butcher, thank you. 
Um, so for me, I picked teleportation. Ooh, good answer. I, I thought of all the things you said. I mean, invincibility. I'm like, ah, oh, that's that's a Dragon Ball Z comp out, you yeah, know. But yeah, I'm yeah. wishing for invincibility, flying, of course. Invisibility. I thought of that, but then I thought teleportation. It's almost like the best of both worlds. It would yeah. be. It'd be very helpful for my job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that would be. You'd be. Except then you'd just be overworked because they'd make you do more. Yeah, and if I did have teleportation, I don't think I would work there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. We would not work where we're working if we could teleport. We'd already be rich, so we would just be doing this podcast <laughs> yep. for our main job. It would be awesome. Yep. <laughs> uh, next question comes from, now what's a Jedi wants to know, did you ever go hard trying to collect something when you were a kid, valuable or not? I went really hard at hockey cards for a large portion of my uh, my youth. Um, they're all still sitting in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was I think that was what I really went hard at for collecting for for, the, sure. for mostly through my youth, but then into my late teens, twenties, thirties. Now it's been video games. Yeah, for sure. I I agree with that. Video games my whole life. Uh, Pokemon cards. I I wouldn't say I went super hard, but I was into it. The thing I actually remember like making my life mission to collect all of them was the Star Wars Phantom Menace pop cans when that movie came out and you could get the different designs on Pepsi, Diet Pepsi, and I had to get like Pepsi One and like caffeine-free, taste-free Pepsi and just because I needed them all. I don't know why I thought they'd be valuable, but I wanted them. I did that also. Yeah, I was pretty pretty big into that when Phantom Menace came out. That was a pretty big deal. Um, I remember having a very large collection of those pop cans. I yeah. don't remember if I ever got them all because I know there was some like gold ones and yeah, stuff. That I think you I was missing. Yeah, like I think you, one. I think you win. You would win something if you got a gold one, right? Something. Uh, but I did have a large collection of them, and I always wanted to keep the pop in them. Yeah. Um, but then after years of having them in my bookcase, they leaked all over the Ooh, place. Yeah. They leaked all over the place. So guess what? They went in the garbage. <laughs> I think my dad told me that that would happen. So I did drink them. And then in which case, why was I saving them? Because they weren't going to be worth anything. But exactly. I just, I guess I went too hard. So that, I needed them. That, uh, that, that, uh, 2000s, late to, uh, late nineties, early 2000s Star Wars push when it really came back. That mm-hmm. was everything. Yeah. That was everything. I remember my uncle getting me amped up for it because I don't think I had seen the originals yet at that point, And he was really jacked for star wars to come back at Mm -hmm. that point so it made me like i need this and then seeing the phantom menace and seeing darth maul with the double lightsaber too good the most misused character in history of cinema yes 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 um next question here comes from pizza pizza wants (laughs) to know what was your go-to pizza place as a kid uh go-to pizza place as a kid like as a family or like when i had a few extra bucks when you, uh, both. Both. Family was Pizza Hut, because it was a sit-down Pizza Hut with the Pizza Hut buffet. We'd go there all the time. Pizza Hut, Pizza Hut, Pizza Hut. Was that here in Mankato? Yeah, that was here in Mankato. It's not the same location. No, it's not. You okay. know India Palace? Oh, yeah. That was the sit-down Pizza Hut. Oh, really? Yep, that was the sit-down Pizza Hut. And then there used to be a Godfather's across the street from that? Uh, a little bit down, uh, 7 Tap House West or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's where Little Caesars used to be. That building's not there anymore. They tore it down. Or that's where Godfather's used to be. That's what I mean. That's what, yeah. No, it was Little Caesars oh. before Godfather's. Oh, okay. Yes, it was Jeez. Little Caesars before Godfather's. 
that's some inside radio or inside uh, podcasting right there because there's about 20 people that are going to know what we're talking about. <laughs> Wait a second. There's about 20 people that listen to this podcast. <laughs> uh, for me, I put Domino's because I lived a block away from Domino's. Ooh, yes, so that yes, was, yes, a, yes. you know, and for whatever reason, New Ulm Domino's was much better than Mankato Domino's in my Agreed. opinion. Um, but my favorite place was Happy Joe's. Um, I should have called that you being from New Ulm. Yeah, <laughs> should have yep. called that. Yeah, should have called. Love it. me some Happy Joe's. Home. I love sausage pizza, and they got the little tiny sausages on there. And you get the <laughs> you get the taco chips on there yep. too. Home of the Ooh. taco pizza, right? Yep. Yep. Was there a Happy Joe's in Mankato for yeah, a little while? It did not last, unfortunately. It was <sighs> over by uh, Home Pe- Depot. Oh yeah, yep. yeah, over by Home Depot. That's a shame. It is I a shame. I, I actually kind of want to go to Happy Joe's now. We might have to make a trip to Happy Joe's. Uh, sounds together. good to me. Sounds good to me. Next question comes from Loop Swoop and Pull. Wants to know what was your favorite game or thing you liked to do at recess and grade school. So at recess and grade school, we had a pretty decent playground. Uh, so it was mostly like playground tag, jungle gym tag, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. The swings were awesome. We had some really big swings, which the same swings are there. And we went to that park with my daughter, and I got on those swings. And I have vivid memories of getting most of my body above that top bar. Yeah. And I couldn't even get close to doing that. I was like, this is frightening. <laughs> i got to stop <laughs> yeah. doing this. Way too scary. Way man. too scary. As soon as that chain started buckling, you know, I was like, ah, I'm done with this. Yep. How, did I, this. how did I do this as a child? Seriously. Um, so I put, for winter, my favorite thing to do was King of the Hill with ah, everybody yes, out of yes, recess yes. on the big snow mound, for sure, even though we weren't supposed to be doing that, mm-hmm. but oh well. Um, and then summer, I put, so I put 13 square, but it, okay. it started as like four square, then everyone was getting into it, it was like six and eight, and then we were using this like side of the school and using all the squares and the sidewalk, and then eventually we had... 13 people playing with a, not a normal size dodgeball, but like the can fit in your hand size dodgeball. Sure, sure. And let's just say by eighth grade, it got intense. (laughs) I would love to get like a reunion with all of us and do some 13 square again in our 30s. (laughs) It'd be awesome. Oh, that's cool, man. That's awesome. Uh, Next question here comes from Ha Ha Very Funny wants to know, did you have a favorite stand-up comedian when you were a kid? Oh, favorite stand-up comedian as a kid. So I'll go teens because I think, yeah, I'll go teens. Um, I remember really liking, man, favorite stand-up comedian as a kid. I think I will say probably Norm MacDonald in the the late 90s was a Mm -hmm. big one for me. I was really into SNL in the late 90s, so I would say Norm MacDonald for stand-up. Jim Brewer's stand-up was really good. Even Nick Swardson when he was oh, really young. Yeah. Like, those first couple of specials, he's hilarious. Minnesota shout-out. Yeah, Minnesota shout-out. Nick, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas. I think, I think, I think I'm going to say Norm MacDonald. I think I'm going to say Norm MacDonald. I like all those, and if you were a huge SNL fan, you're going to like mine. Dana Carvey. Ooh, good call. Dana Carvey stand-up is A+. plus. His voices, he just seamlessly goes oh. from voice to voice to voice to voice. It's just so the good. best thing. I remember one with the, did you shampoo your hair? <laughs> and I remember using that in like some sort of skit we did in front of class once when we actually, to go back to a few episodes ago, 
we did an Angry Beavers thing where somebody drew Daggett and controlled him. Someone drew Norbert and controlled him. And then I drew one and named him Fudgy. <laughs> and Fudgy had all Dana Carvey's lines as if they were original, but it was just because I watched the stand-up with my dad. So, But the class seemed to like it. So. Oh, that's good. That's all that matters. Did you get an A-plus on it? I do not remember, but it was <laughs> third grade, and I was I was good in third grade. It took a while before I dropped them A pluses. Uh, I do remember really liking a certain Sinbad stand up too that I think was in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, Sinbad Sinbad. with the chocolate spray. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. yeah. What was the one where house guest Sinbad's house guest yeah. where he's gets his, he's pretending to be a dentist, right? Yeah. And he gets Novocaine all over his hands, yeah. and he's trying to do the dentistry with his numb hands. Oh. Boy, oh boy, that is some comedic gold. Sinbad, come back to us. Sinbad, Seriously. come back to us. I remember us. him talking about some weird breed of dog that his grandma had or something, where it was like a chihuahua mixed with some other dog, so it was like the body of a chihuahua, but a super heavy <laughs> dog head. Oh, man. <laughs> Gotta see it, but seriously. Uh, last question here today comes from Mr. Popo wants to know who was your favorite dbz character and he wants a hero and a villain Ooh, hero and a villain so i am going to choose krillin as my favorite hero i think i can identify with krillin a lot yeah and i really I, so even from dragon ball like the original dragon ball i think that might be where i really love krillin from because mm-hmm. it was goku and krillin in dragon ball you know right. it's the two of them uh I just really identify with Krillin. I think that uh, he's a really like good dude, and he means yeah, the totally. best. Uh, he dies a lot, though. He dies a lot. <laughs> but uh, favorite villain is it? It's easily Frieza for me, for uh, sure. Especially in his later iterations, because he's so like he's so like a caricature of himself. Oh, now. and I love it. Everything about it, because it's you almost have to take it as a as comedy with yeah. the, how over the top he is with everything yeah. now. So. Uh, 2023 for the new season, right? Oh, God, I can't wait. June 2023? Yep. And August, so next month is the new movie in theaters. <sighs> we'll be going? We'll be going to we'll that, be going the show. That we went to the last one, so we got to go to this one. Uh, so for heroes, I put Vegeta. I know I probably shouldn't pick Vegeta or Goku, but I can't help it. Yeah, I could have picked him as the villain and hero, really, because he starts out as the villain. But Vegeta has... For sure, the best arc of any character. Mm-hmm. And by the time we're in Super, I just love the dynamic of him and Goku pushing each other to new limits all the time. Mm-hmm. And then you picked Frieza. It's hard not to say that, especially I love him in Super. Like you said, he's getting so good now, but I put Perfect Cell. Perfect Cell is a really good answer, and that's what I was torn with. It was either Cell or Frieza. Right. I am so excited to see Cell come back. Oh, my God. I, the Cell Saga is where I fell in love with DBZ. For sure. That's where I fell in love with DBZ, running across it on Cartoon Network, watching one episode here, another episode like with six in between that I don't yeah. know what's going on. Yep. So finally I got through all the episodes, but that was Cell is a really good choice. And I will say, if you would have picked anybody besides Vegeta, I would have been very surprised. You would have called bullshit. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, that is wrapping up emails here today. So I put down homework reminder, everybody, is Ed, Ed, and Eddie, season one, the first six episodes. Um, we are still lacking on the emails, so I have to complain to all you listeners. Email us now. Soon as you listen to this, go and email us anything possible. Make sure you're emailing us at overduehomeworkpodcast at gmail.com. 
Check us out on Twitter at Overdue Homework and on Instagram at Overdue Homework Podcast. I hope everybody had as much fun with Dumb and Dumber as we did. And thank you all so much for listening. And don't forget to tune in to the next exciting episode of the Overdue Homework Podcast. Overdue Homework.